Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Now today, we're starting with a sermon series. This is going to be two sermons, um, something God put in my heart um, to do. Um, I'm not always sure why God says I need to do certain series and um, uh, sermons. But I really felt this in my heart, and God spoke to me about unmuted. How, how do we hear God's voice? Can we hear God's voice? Do God still speak to us? And I think when you get to a place in your life and you, you're newly saved, and you step into salvation, that's probably the first question a new believer asks. Can I speak to God? Or better yet, can God speak to me? 25 and a bit extra years in ministry, that's probably the question that I've had the most when people that are newly saved. Now, we all know the answer to that. Yes, God do speak to us. And we need to speak to God because God listens to us and He speaks to us daily, um, every moment of our lives. But you know, apart from this still, through the years of being in ministry, I saw one of the biggest needs of believers have always been to hear God's voice. Always. People want to hear God's voice. They want to hear what God thinks. Am I doing the right thing, Lord, or not? What is your will for my life? Can you speak to me? That's probably the number one thing that believers have always wanted to know about. If we're running a Hearing God's Voice course, then it's probably one of the courses that's the most done in church because people want to know, how can I flow in a prophetic? How can I hear God's voice? Now, most, most believers believe that, man, God can speak to me, but I don't know how to listen. Now, this is, this is a story that I, I read this, this week, um, an article. I don't know how old is this article, but it really got my attention. I'm just going to read a part of it to you. It says the following. It says, have you heard about the cell phone ringtone that high school kids are using in Europe to keep teachers from discovering that they are using their cell phones in school? The pitch of the ringtone is called the mosquito tone. It is too high for people over 25 to hear. <laughs> so the kids can still send and receive text messages during class without the teacher knowing. Now the mosquito tone was first developed in Great Britain to irritate teenagers who were loitering around convenience stores and keeping customers away by their loud and obnoxious behavior. <laughs> now some kids simply figured out how to use the sound as the cell phone ringtone, and voila, kids are downloading it by millions. Now, I read this story and I thought, well, that's stupid. Why don't they just put their phones on silent? And I realized, okay, maybe it's an older, an older story. But as I read the story, something struck my heart in terms of this, that only kids under 25 could hear this ringtone. And, and I realized that when it comes to our relationship with God, how many of us still comes to God in a childlike manner? How many of us can still listen and hear His voice when we are getting older and our lives are getting busier and things are happening and are we still like a child coming to God? Now today, in today's digital world, there is pictures and sound all around us being broadcast every minute, every second of every day. If you have the right receiver or a satellite dish, you can turn it on and you can tune in to those pictures and sound. I remember when I was younger, when Mnet, you know Mnet, and then Mnet at open time, and then if you can just have a little extra aerial, you can catch open time, but if you don't have that aerial, sorry for you. You have to go to your friend to, to watch open time. But we need that receiver, we need that satellite dish to receive and tune in. 
But without a proper receiver, then you won't see or hear anything. You need that. It's the same with us and God. When we come to our relationship with God, for us to restore our connection with Him, we must tune in. We must tune in. We must have that receiver set so that we can hear His voice and unmute His voice in our lives. I'm not going to ask, but if I ask people, how many feel like God's voice is is muted in your life? I, I, I believe there's a lot of hand that will go up. I feel that I don't know how God's speaking. I don't know when He's speaking. I don't know how God's voice sounds. Now, there's so many things in our era that mute God's voice in our lives. And I want to look at that today, and next week we're going to look at a different angle. And it's important to know that as human beings, we were designed, and that's very important to know, we were designed to hear God's voice. We were designed to commune with the Father. Why? Because He's our Creator. And a Creator want to speak to you. You want to commune with us. See, we all were created with the capacity to hear God's voice and to speak to Him every day. You've got that capacity. It's almost like when you buy your first car and you drive it for 10 years, and then after 10 years you realize with a friend driving it, it's like, hey, have you, have you used the cruise control? It's like, what's that? How many of you would feel really stupid after 10 years driving a car not knowing it's got cruise control? I mean, it's one of those moments that I was like, <laughs> why? Now, if you look at the psychic industry in the world, it's probably one of the most profitable billion-dollar industries in the world. Why? Because people have a desire to hear from a higher source. Billions of dollars. And if you look at movies and TV series and stuff in our lives, it, 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 it has a supernatural increment to it. Why? Because of the desire that human beings have to hear from a higher source. Now, the amazing thing is that God is a communicator. <laughs> He's a communicator. And we see it all through the Old Testament, how He communicated, how He spoke to His creation. But the sad reality is that our God is always speaking, but the creation is on mute. Our ears are on mute. And I've been there in my life, and I know how it feels, and I'm, it's frustrating. It's like, Lord, how do I hear your voice? It's questions that we ask, and why is creation on mute? Now, if you go to the Scriptures, Job, if you go to the book of Job, and you go to uh, Job's friend, Elihu, he said the following in Job, 33 verse 14, he says, For God speaks again and again, though people do not recognize it. And that's quite true if you read that scripture and and you realize that God speaks constantly, but people don't know how to hear him. Or people is not attentive or don't recognize the voice of God in their lives. And if you ask, what is the reason so many people is on mute when it comes to their relationship with the Father? Now Jesus addresses this thing in the book of Matthew, and he speaks about this situation in Matthew 13, verse 11 to 15. And let's read it quickly together. It says, Those who listen to my teachings, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use these parables, for they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. 
This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these peoples are hardened and their ears cannot hear. And they have closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see. And their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Now Jesus speaks about something very important here. And, and, and there's a lot of angles in that scripture. He speaks about people that now know him in a place of salvation as well. But he speaks about the one thing that is very important. He speaks about a disconnect between us and him. There's a disconnect. And a disconnect has been there for generations when it comes to people speaking to God and people hearing from God. There's a disconnect. Now in the Old Testament, only prophets and the selected few could speak to God and hear from Him and be almost a, a voice to the nation, a voice to the people. The prophets were very important in that time. Elijah, Elisha, Jeremiah, Isaiah was very important for the era until the people said, no, now we want a king. But when Jesus gave a new covenant in the New Testament, a covenant without the law, but a covenant with grace, it changed things. You remember when Jesus died on the cross and he blew out his last breath, that curtain ripped from heaven to earth, from top to bottom, and his presence became part of our lives. That means that we can commune with him. It's not the same. We're not in the Old Testament anymore. God has given us grace. He has forgiven us. He's made us sons of God. And he gave us authority to act as sons of God. And therefore we can speak to God. And we can and we are supposed to hear from him. You see, every child of God is created and permitted to hear. To hear their father's voice. I remember when Salome was pregnant with the twins and she had a pretty nice big belly with the twins. <laughs> and I would lie on the belly and I would start speaking to the twins and we knew their names and when I start speaking to them, the babies would kick because they knew the father's voice. They knew their, my voice and when the first time I held them, they cried and when I started speaking, they were quiet because they knew the father's voice. And that's why we were created with a longing to hear the Father's voice. You see, God desires to speak to us. Did you know that? He desires to speak to us so much more than we have a desire to hear from Him. Now, if you have a desire to hear from God, that means that His desire to speak to you are much greater. And when we recognize that, I realize that, oh, wow, the Lord is speaking loud and clear to me. I just need to open my ears. I just need to open my heart. I just need to sit down, be still, and listen. So if God's voice appears muted to us, guess what? The reason is not with Him. It is with us. In the old days, people didn't have refrigerators. So um, on the farm... I don't know where, but the story speaks about in the old days. And they said what they do, did is they had ice rooms. And the ice rooms worked like this. There was no windows. It was a sealed off room with only with a door. And then in the winter months, they would go to the lake and cut down, cut out big blocks of ice. 
and layered the ice room with big blocks of ice and then take wood and sawdust and throw it over the ice, which, make, which, which actually gave them a nice ice-cooled cooling room. And they stored all their food there and, and some of those ice rooms stayed cool almost through the summer. And one day, one of the workers, as they were laying the sawdust, the hay, he lost his watch in the hay. And everybody started looking in the hay, and they're trying to find his watch, and nobody, to no avail, they couldn't find his watch. And a young boy was standing close by, and he heard this commotion, and he looked at them, and they were standing outside the room, and because they wanted to keep this door closed for the ice not to melt. And he heard this thing, and, and he went in, closed the door, and within two minutes, he came out with the watch. And the people thought, what did you do? How did that happen? He said, no, easy. I just went in, closed the door, and in quiet, I just lay down with my ear to the hay, and I listened till I heard the watch tick. And I read this, and I thought, wow, how many of us don't get to a place in our lives where we quiet down? See, God always has and always will have a desire to talk to us. It's up to us to listen. It's up to us to respond. We just need to quiet down. We just need to sit down and listen to his voice. You see, God's desire is shown in the book of Revelations. And I love this. And, and it's not going to be a long sermon today, but, but I want you to catch this revelation with me today. In Revelation 3 verse 20, and I'm reading from a Passion Translation because it just says it so much nicer. It says the following. This is Jesus actually speaking. If you go to Revelation, um, it's all written in red. That means that this, the words of Jesus prophesied by, by John. Behold, I'm standing at the door, knocking. If your heart is open to hear my voice and you open the door within, I will come in to you and feast with you and you will feast with me. Behold, I'm standing at the door, knocking. Now, the amazing thing of the Scripture, I know it's revelation, and we know Jesus actually spoke about it in, 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 in the, the Gospels as well. And he says, listen, I'm standing at the door of your heart. I'm knocking. Open up so that I can come in. Receive me as your Lord and Savior. But if you go back to the, to the Jewish tradition, this was actually an, a part of an ancient tradition that Jesus took it from. Jesus knocking on the door points to the process of an old it points to the process of an old Jewish wedding invitation. Now, this is how it worked. The bridegroom and the father would take the, a cup of wine. This cup of wine signified the promise that the bridegroom carried. And along with the bridal price, that's money that he took. That's our kind of labola today. So the dad and the, the son, the bridegroom, took the cup of wine and the price, the money that he took, and they walked up to the bride's house. And then together they would knock on the door. And if she would fully open, the bride fully opens the door, that means, yes, I will take you as my husband. Now this, if I, I read this and I realize this is such a significant picture of what happens when Jesus and the Father comes knocking on the door of our hearts. Isn't that beautiful? He's inviting us to be the bride of Christ. He's inviting us to come closer to Him. Open your heart to me so that I can come in and be yours so that you can be mine. Now a bride's position and her relationship with the bridegroom is exclusive. We all know that. 
It's very exclusive, which includes benefits only for them as a couple. If you are married, you know that just, you know each other. You know when my wife frowns, I know what she's thinking. When she laughs like that, I know exactly. Just, you just know each other. From intimacy to friendship, there's just something special in that relationship. But for the bride in that time, in a Jewish time, for her to get access to that special privileges, that exclusive benefits in that relationship, there was two very important things that she had to commit to. Number one is she had to open her heart to hear the bridegroom's voice. That's what the Jewish scripture said. She has to open her heart. And the second one is she had to open the door of her heart and give him all access. Two things. Which is so prophetically because when we want to hear God's voice, we need to open our hearts. You need to open your heart. You need to give God all access to your life. That's what lordship is. Lordship means that, Lord, I give you access to everything in my life, not just this eight rooms in my heart, but except this one room. You're not allowed to come in here. But the other eight, you're welcome. That's not lordship. Lordship is, Lord, I give you lordship over everything in my life. I give you all access, and I open my heart so that I can hear your voice. You see, the reason Jesus knocks on the door of our heart is because he desires intimacy with us. And I know we had a whole series of intimacy um, that we spoke about, but, but it just got to me and I realized that's why he knocks on our heart. He's got such a desire to be more intimate with you. And the fact that he's knocking shows that, man, he is pursuing us. He's pursuing you. He knocks because he's pursuing. He wants more of this relationship. He wants more. See, when we know someone likes us, remember when we were at school? When you're in high school and you hear, ooh, that girl likes you, or that, that guy likes you, then the way you look at them is just suddenly different. It's like, I, I, I never really noticed them, I didn't really like them, but because they like me, suddenly I was like, hmm, maybe that's not, not bad. And it's, I'm, I'm I the only one. Come on. I mean, it's, that's always, when you know someone like you, you just funny, you just like them. Jesus is pursuing us. He's knocking on the door of our heart because He is pursuing you with intentionality. He pursues us with intentionality to, so that we can hear His voice. You see, as He knocks, He waits to be wanted. He waits and He waits to be wanted. But sadly today, so many keep Him waiting. So many. I remember when I was studying you go to the corsets, the ladies' corsets. So as men, you go and you, you go and they, they ring the girl you want to visit up the room. If she doesn't come down, that means she doesn't want to talk to you. <laughs> okay. And that happens a few times. You know. It's like, can you just call so-and-so? And then, oh, okay, okay. And they says, no, that she's coming. And then after like 20 minutes, you have to probably get the, get the message here. She doesn't, she doesn't want to come down. <laughs> And it happened to me, actually, a few times because God was saving me for my wife. Thank goodness. So what is keeping us from hearing our father and our bridegroom's voice? It's a good question. What is keeping you from hearing your bridegroom's voice? Think about you getting married and the bridegroom never speaks to the bride. That is unheard of. They only want to speak to each other. And I realize again, wow, Lord, isn't that such a beautiful picture between us and you? 
as a bridegroom, you only have eyes for the bride. Only have eyes for the bride. You want to speak to us. You want to commune with us. You want to be intimate with us. That's his heart for us. So what is keeping us from that moment? What is? I believe there's, there's a major blockage for all of us when it comes to hearing God's voice is one thing, and that is distraction. The enemy comes with distraction to keep you from hearing. It's like when you watch your favorite TV show and the kids run in and out, and you can't hear because they're distracting you from hearing what you want to hear. Or when you're listening to something, or when you want to speak to my wife and the kids are all over in between, or they're distracting me from hearing my bride. <laughs> Distraction is one of the biggest weapons of the enemy. Distracting us away from God. See, we are distracted by stuff like sin, guilt, shame, idols in our lives, things that distracts us. But the one most of us fall for is this, is busyness. It's busyness. How many times do being busy with so many priorities in our lives keep us from God that day or during the day? Just being busy. See, the world is getting busier. Day by day, the rat race is real. <laughs> and I want to look at this through a story in the Bible, and it's the story of Mary and Martha. Remember them? They, they had a brother called Lazarus. Remember, Martha came to Jesus like, why didn't you come when my brother was sick? Now he's dead for three days. And Jesus came and he rose Lazarus from the dead. Those two sisters. So I'm going to paraphrase a bit and I'm going to go through the story quickly and, and, and then I'm going to read a, a, the last bit of the scripture. And I hope to leave us with something that can help us to connect with God, to press that mute button and unmute us with God and then turn up the volume a little bit by looking at the greatest distraction for us and that is busyness. So Jesus and his disciples was, was traveling from town to town ministering all over and Martha came to Jesus and she invited him and his disciples and people who's following him for a meal. Now it's almost like a traveling evangelist coming through town and you stopping and said, listen, come for a meal at my house. Okay, that's almost that kind of thing. Now this is not just a traveling evangelist, this is Jesus. And as they, Jesus was traveling through towns and, and they were tired and they probably wanted just a nice hot meal and a place to rest, just a normal meal. And, and Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. He, he really loved them. And he could see how Jesus wept for Lazarus when he raised him from the dead. So this was like, almost like family to him. So he loved going there. Now at the house, Jesus, like always, had everyone's attention. Everyone was listening to Jesus. But while Martha were clinging the pots at the back and she was making food and she was busy, busy doing everything because she invited the guests. You can't invite guests without food. Okay? You can't do that. And she was busy prepping a meal for all the guests she invited. But Mary was among everyone sitting and listening attentively to Jesus. Now Martha got so annoyed that she just walked into Jesus and into the setting, stopped Jesus and said, Jesus, look at my sister. She's sitting at your feet, she's listening, and I'm doing everything alone. Can you now please just tell her to come and help me? 
Now, now think about it. It's almost like this setting. Jesus is speaking, and suddenly someone storms in and said, Listen, I've been making coffee there for like 10 minutes, 20 minutes. Can you just say to so-and-so to come and help me? Just interrupt everyone. And that's how the, the moment was. It was very, uh, Martha was probably a very strong-willed woman. She was probably the oldest of the three. And she walked in and she can't believe that the young sister doesn't help me. Now, I don't know about you, but it sounds to me like Martha had a point. Come on, ladies. Martha had a point. How many of you invite guests and then you alone there in the kitchen? Hello. Well, hubby sits there and, and enjoying. <laughs> I see the hands. I see it. <laughs> she had a point, And she had a very good point. I too would be annoyed if I were Martha at that moment. Why is my sister not helping me? But Jesus came and he surprised everyone again with his reply. You see, he didn't really look bothered if he's going to eat or not. He didn't care. Maybe Peter was with Martha here. said, Jesus, I'm hungry. I'm with Martha here. Can somebody just go and help her so we can eat? But Jesus looked at it different. Look at his reply in Luke 10, verse 41 to 42. It says, The Lord answered her, Martha, my beloved Martha. Here we see that he loved her. This was like family to him. Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by all these many distractions? <laughs> now, a woman would say, why is the food distractions? We, somebody need to eat here today. Why are you pulled away by so many distractions? Mary had, has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She's undistracted, and I, will, I won't take this privilege from her. Now, thinking about Martha, this reply of Jesus probably frustrated her even more. It's like, can't somebody just agree with me? That's probably why she, how she felt. But you know that Jesus wasn't pushing her away in this moment. He wasn't. He was pulling her closer to him. Jesus was knocking. He was knocking at the door of our heart. The one thing that, that separated Martha from what Mary was experiencing was distraction. Martha was distracted. Mary was experiencing what Jesus gave. You see, Martha was being pulled away with unnecessary busyness. Now, it was all a moment of priority for me. If you look at it, Jesus wanted Martha to realize what was most important? He didn't say the food is not important, Martha. He said the food is important, but what is most important? That's what I want you to realize. I want you to listen to me speak because I'm giving you food of life. The other food is important. Remember, Martha, I just fed 5,000 people with five little loaves and two fishes. I can multiply anything you have in this house. That's not important. The food is not important to me. You are. Food was not the issue here. But Martha felt that food was. Jesus wanted to change her priority. See, it's so easy to recognize and turn from the things that are wrong and sinful. It's easy. How about the good things that we are involved in? How about the things that's actually important? How about those things? 
See, Jesus was teaching Martha and us here today in this story that we must learn to prioritize things. It's so important. It's actually a skill to prioritize. How do we prioritize rightly so that we will not be distracted by worldly stuff? Now, most of the worldly stuff we do is important. Yes, it is. I'm not saying you're not allowed to do your work or not allowed to be busy. I'm just saying, where's your priority? See, we get things like social media, TV, projects that's important to you. We get things like hobbies, even ministry activities. You see, so many things can be important to us or not important. But all comes down to how we are distracted when it comes to God. It's almost a priority check in our lives. Salumi knows me. I'm quite a priority guy. If I look at a bunch of stuff that I need to do, I would firstly look for the one that's the highest priority, and I would do that. For a woman, to have a clean kitchen before bed is priority. For a man, just getting to bed and sleep is priority. So priority differs. But when it comes to God and our relationship with God, what is priority in our lives? Yes, there's important things in life to do. There's stuff that we need to finish and stuff. But how do we prioritize things so that we don't get to a place where now I have to choose between my devotion and this thing that I really need to do? But if we prioritize right, it changes the perspective. Research shows that the normal adult spends about three and a half hours a day on his smartphone. That means 100 hours a month looking at our phone. They say a normal human adult human looks at his phone 60 times a day. <laughs> That's just normal. It can go up and down. And it's a reality. But look how Paul explains this. Romans 13 verse 1. Paul says the following. He says, and I'm reading from a message translation. It's actually quite amazing. It says, but make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all the day-by-day obligations that you lose track of time and doze off oblivious to God. Beautiful scripture, isn't it? See, Paul comes and says, listen, Paul was an academic. He wasn't a guy who beat around a bush. He was an academic. He did things right. He was a man of priority. And he was driven by passion to get people to God. But he said, listen, even to be a missionary can't take me away from that moments, that intimate moments where I can hear God's voice. See, the greatest thief that steals our time with God is a busy lifestyle. It is. Now, it's not wrong to have a busy lifestyle when you have a job that's really tough. You have to pack it out and do it. That's what you have to do. You can't be lazy. And I'm not saying to have a busy lifestyle is wrong. I'm just saying, what has greater priority in your life? Your lifestyle or your relationship with God? See, many of us fall in that trap daily. Many. And they replace their time with God with unnecessary busyness. Come on. When you're a procrastinator at university school, before I have to start studying, that's like, man, look how dirty my room is. I need to clean it up. So then I clean up my room, takes me an hour and a half, and then it's like, whew, I've been busy. I need to take a break. And then I take a break. And after three hours, I haven't started studying. 
Because I'm using, I'm, I'm taking unnecessary busyness to keep me away from what is actually important. But we do that the same when it comes to our relationship with God. Just sitting still, listening, reading the Word. Now personally, I've seen and allowed myself to become, many times, become distracted from spending time with God. And you know, every time that happens, His voice begins to fade. And it's not a great place to be because I want His voice to be amplified in my life. I want to hear God's voice every minute of every day. I want Him to speak to me. So how do we keep away from that slippery slope in our lives? How do we keep away from choosing the right priorities at the right time? Number one, first thing that we need to recognize the areas of priority in our lives. What is most important to you? What in your life have you allowed to pull you away from spending time with God? What is those things? Because if we don't go and recognize those things, that thing is going to continue to pull you away from God. So recognize that. Go and write down. Sit with God. Take a booklet and say, what is keeping me away? Why am I struggling to sit with God? Write it down and then make a plan around it. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus gave us a simple solution. Look at this. Matthew 6 verse 6 in the New Living Translation. It says, but when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. And sometimes you have to go and sit in your car and pray. Go and listen to the worship music in your car. Take your Bible to the car and sit and, and pray and do your confessions and talk, talk to Him. But take out a place where you can be alone with Him. Look at the, at, the, at the message translation, that same scripture. This is beautiful. It says, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense His grace. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? See, when that focus and our lives start shifting from us and our busy schedule to God. Something else happens in our lives. When you start out your day with Him, listening to His voice, reading that scripture, it just sets your day up so much differently than rushing into things. Now, I'm not saying I'm not guilty. All of us are guilty of that. All of us are rushed towards things. Now, I'm, I, I'm not saying there's, there's a religious work ethic that we need to, but when you are coming to a place and you're obedient with this, there's no compromise with that time, it changes things in our lives. You become on fire for more of Him. You recognize His presence so much easier. You're in worship so much deeper than you normally are. Wow. Your faith is so much more. When you go through that challenges, what's the first thing that is priority? To sort out the challenge or to go and sit at his feet? The natural thing is like, wow, I need to sort out this challenge. We need to dive in, do it right. But just take that five minutes and sit down and say, Father, I need to hear you in this. I need to. I can't let the busyness of life, the distractions that the enemy bring, I can't let this be more important than just communing with you right now. I need to hear your voice. 
I need to speak to you. I need to experience and encounter you. I need to experience your presence in my life. And this is what Jesus meant. When our focus changed and shifted from us to God, things change. See, we start by being intentional. How intentional are you? By changing the way and your priorities to meet Him, to make time for Him. Make that your most important priority first of every day. See, that's how we press the unmute button in our lives, by just being intentional. By just being intentional, Lord, what is the stuff that keeps me away from you? Let's make that second priority. You see, the enemy wants us to feel condemned. And if you're sitting here this morning and you feel condemned because you're not spending time with him and that's not why you hear his voice, that's exactly what the enemy wants you. He doesn't, God wants, doesn't want you to be condemned. He wants you to be motivated to hear his voice. He wants you to be motivated to press that unmute button and say, Lord, from now on, I'm going to cancel a few things. I'm going to shift a few things around. It's going to be tough. Maybe you have to go to bed half an hour earlier so that you can wake up half an hour earlier so that before the kids start shouting and things get busy, that you can actually hear his voice. And I pray that through this one or two sermons that we do, is that God will switch something on in our hearts that says, that's what I want you to do. That's how I want you to shift your priority. That's why I, I want you to go deeper. But first, you need to be obedient to come and sit down and listen. So it's like that boy who went and lied down and just listened to the ticking of the watch. If it's too much noise, you're going to struggle. And God has spoken to me in very loud, noisy places. But it's because I've got used to sensing His voice in a different way. No matter how much Noises around me, the more I sit with him, the louder the voice is in my life. Amen. Let's stand up. I want to pray for us. So let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning. What a privilege, Lord, to know that you have such a desire to speak to us every day, Father. You've got such a desire to, to, so that we can hear your voice. We want, you want us to hear you, Father. Because you've created us, you've designed us to hear your voice. You've made us so that we can speak and commune and know when you speak. And Lord, I thank you this morning that, that you will help us to know which things in our lives keeps us away from that special moments with you. Keep us away from that silent moments where we can hear the watch ticking where we can hear you knocking at our door. Lord, I pray that you take the condemnation away this morning in our hearts of not maybe spending enough time with you or not hearing your voice as we should. And thank you for your grace with that, Lord. But thank you that it pulls us closer. That it pulls us closer to you this morning and that we will sit this week and we will prioritize time with you so that we don't miss you I pray that you will show us the distractions in our lives. Show us the things that keeps us away, the things that comes as necessary, important things, but can't have greater priority. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.